0: Carrying huge pace. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lord's. Rain so close. Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time of oh, oh,
1: Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling.
0: We will get to the episode, I promise, but this is exciting news. I have to share it with you. The podcast is going visual. We are on YouTube. So if you enjoy watching podcasts, make sure you go to Moving the Needle Podcast on YouTube. So search it on your YouTube. You'll find it. Hit that subscribe button and then watch some of the clips if you don't mind. Maybe leave some comment. Let's get some engagement because the more we get the YouTube out there, the more I can get awesome guests. And that's probably the biggest thank you you can do for me right now. Let's build up that YouTube. So share it with some friends. Check those clips. Leave us some comments. And uh, appreciate that, man. Let's get to the episode. During my racing years and even now, I take my health and nutrition pretty seriously, I must say. It was so difficult though to stick to a routine and to remember to take all those necessary supplements. Then I found AG1. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. Now you might ask, What is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I have never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins, so this is the perfect all-in-one solution. Honestly, I actually look forward to taking it. I do it first thing in the morning. I feel more alert and focused, and I know I'm taking care of my body and health. I feel energized to get my day going. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, and that's why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning as I said, and then I'm done. So check this out. With that one scoop of AG1 I've been talking about, you're absorbing, listen to this, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery and helps enhance your focus. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and none of that nasty chemical artificial anything, all while still tasting good. Now let's all be honest with each other. We all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time, especially when we get busy. We all want something quick and easy which will help us in life. AG1 supports better sleep quality recovery, mental clarity and alertness. Now I don't care what you do in life, I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by so many professional athletes and health experts. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash moving the needle, that's again, Drinkag1.com forward slash moving the to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link will be in the show notes as well. Welcome back, sports fans, Moving the Needle Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Netling, taking on a journey into mountain biking, free ride, sports, you name it. I am coming to you. I guess it is an interesting time to have the man on. I wanted to have a rampage review like I've been some of these race ones. And Bearclaw has been on the show before, number 87, if you want to get to know the free ride legend himself. But obviously there's some interesting time to have this chat. Welcome to the show. You've done your own sort of review on the judging, but that's not why I'm grabbing your attention today. I did want to hear, I did want to hear like Rampage, one of the best ones yet, I think.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, bud. Appreciate it.
0: It's yeah. definitely
1: uh, an interesting time with the amount of controversy as usual with Rampage. It's, it's any judge sport. There's going to be some, you know, indifferences, what people think and feel. And uh, yeah, that's what we're here for It's just trying to help people understand things. And um, but at the end of the day, you know, if there wasn't all this hype and controversy that's like, in my opinion, then the, the event isn't as much of a success. Because there's that many people that are so spirited about it, which is cool.
0: Yeah, it certainly has really gone pretty broad netted. If you think about Rampage, you know, with it's NBC, it's on, right? Like having um, Mm -hmm. the broadcast rights to it. Obviously, we can see it on Red Bull TV. But if you're in America, Canada, like depending on your TV package, you've got it on mainstream TV, which is still really big in those countries. A lot of other countries are maybe doing more streaming or at least... They don't have as many big TV channels as you guys do in English. So then they have to stream their stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you really think about it like mainstream TV, like, is that even a thing anymore?
0: Yeah, actually, as I said <laughs> that, I was like, yeah, but that's not that important for the demographic that's watching. But, yeah, um, like
1: you, you remember when we were kids, it was like the end all be all. And now, like, I haven't had cable in 12, 14 years. I don't know about you.
0: No, I, no, I've got sport that's streamed now. It comes off technically, I guess, cable, a version. And then everything else is streamed. Um, my, the racing exactly. is streamed now, Red Bull Tee's streamed. Some of my golf is streamed. Shit, true. However, we got to give it props because <laughs> it has gone mainstream. I mean, what, yeah. what were those, bo- there was um, that crazy um, basketball free-thrower that you did some stuff with.
1: Yeah, lethal shooter.
0: He's there. Um, the other legend in basketball, and excuse me, um, because I, you know, it's not a sport we follow in South Africa, but Re- was it Reggie or whatever? He, what was his name? I mean, he, Reggie Miller. He loves the sport, and and it's oh yeah, it's he's easy an avid s- mountain biker. Yeah, it's easy to see why they have the respect for something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Most indeed agree.
0: So. What made it one of the best Red Bull Rampages for you?
1: All right, let's get right into it. Judging, many <laughs> spirited <laughs> sports fans out there. Um, <laughs> in a nutshell, this event—the um, reason why you know my feelings, why it felt like the best event that we've had so far. One, the easiest answer is is the wind was cooperative. And the athletes actually had a chance to do two runs. Normally we're struggling to get second run and you know, it's like, even the, the first riders dropping in, they have a bit of wind. So that's a bit of an issue. So there's like, you know, a lot of, um, you know, DNFs, uh, on the, on the actual runs themselves. So like the ability for people to have like not a ton of wind and drop in on their second run was a, was a big game changer in terms of, uh, you know, the ability to have a good show. And then second of all, you know, this is an old site, you know, we've had multiple events here. Um, quite a few off the top of that Ridge going off of the backside and then coming down on this side that we had. So it's, it's a, a venue. That's quite built up. And whenever you have a venue, that's very built up, you have athletes that have previously had a line. Maybe it was last year or even years, way years prior from the previous time we were at this venue. So the athletes end up having a lot more time to actually ride their lines and get practice in and dial in all the little tweaks that really are needed to make it a really solid line to be able to stomp. Whereas you know, you'll see a guy like like Brendan. He came in and he's like, "Hey, I want to do something different." So he kind of got pigeonholed off to the side, and he ended up having a huge build where other athletes, you know, maybe it was last year that they did that, and then this year they're coming back to the line, and then they're just adding to it, making it a little bit better. So the overall, the, like the actual show from the riders, they have a better ability. Um, the majority of them to really shine because they're just riding versus, you know, chiseling off uh, a new line top to bottom, which as you all know, it's it's very laborious and it absolutely kicks the crap out of your body. And by the time you have to get on your bike, you're just like, oh my God, I can barely feel my hands from pickaxing for the last week, you know? So it's, uh, it's definitely a contributing factor.
0: Yeah, looking at that, it certainly gives us more chance to have cleaner runs, maybe bigger tricks, so they're more prepared. <clears throat> Excuse me, So the, but the con of that is maybe a new rider, uh, someone like Adolf that haven't been there for a while, he's struggling to find a line. So he's kind of got a little bit more work cut out for him. He's going to do a lot more building, hopefully finds a line, and a lot less riding. So that's a super big like pro and con, but I guess... It's sounding like if you would have it your way, you're okay with reusing these venues because overall we've got a better package and it's maybe safer for the riders. They're better prepared. They get enough bike time before the finals.
1: Um, I'm indifferent because me personally, as an athlete and a competitor, I love a new venue. Like I love creating something new. And that's what really drives my fire is to go into a brand new blank canvas and look at a mountainside and say okay where is where does my type of riding take me with features and you know i i just love building you know like that's that's always been in me and you know in my career i i built you know a ton i spent a lot of time in utah particularly so i really love that area and the riding um and obviously it is a bit of a downfall for some guys because um you know some guys don't enjoy building as much but i think the majority of the guys that are there now really have taken a really big liking to building. It wasn't like say 10, 12 years in the past where guys were like just getting their, their feet wet with building in the Utah desert. So I think it's, it's a good thing to see new venues because then it's, it's exciting too, for the, the sports fans. Cause they're like, Oh, what, what new gap are they doing? And you know, and like, for instance, this year, like there's so much hype around the only things that were new, which was, um brendog's line you know he, he pretty much did a almost top to bottom new line um and then g you know those were two new new competitors and they chiseled off you know some really big with well, g that was correct if I'm wrong That was the furthest anybody's ever dropped um you know in the history of mountain biking in my opinion so like those got a lot of attention because those are the only things that are new you know not saying that you can dumb down like intentions like before the event itself like all the coverage was like you know the new stuff that's being built because you're not going to put coverage on old things you know it's it's old it's boring in terms of you know you want the the new stuff being shown to kind of really promote the event so having new venues you know i think it's awesome so
0: yeah that makes that that makes sense but also the where the sport has come from and where it's going the more you say you like to see this blank canvas and stuff in my mind if i was to pigeonhole what rampage is which i'm not going to i've never been there like i'm a proper armchair pundit just asking some questions here
1: why aren't you there next year
0: i i I think i'm too scared to see it in person
1: Oh come on!
0: But I, if the invite's there, <laughs> I'll come and do. Dude, I, come out. I honestly, i think I'm just too scared. If Brendan agrees to not ride, then I'll go. Maybe I need a kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> a deal. But <sighs> no, I do want to go. I need to actually see it. But I saw the footage and you know Tippy peeking over the edge at G's drop, and if I'm getting that sort of anxiety on a video screen. I don't even want to be in there in person, but I guess I'd probably have to see it. But it makes me think it's kind of like this progression, right? Evolution of Rampage. But has it gone away from its roots in a sense with them getting two years to, I mean, some of those landings looked so buff, which helps you be able to land certain tricks. So we like seeing that like it's such a catch 22 in my mind.
1: Yeah, everyone really gets hung up on the manicured landings. And I think people need to stop getting hung up on it because the manicured landings, it's in a, it makes it able for the rider to go bigger and go further. Like, Because if you make a tiny little bit of a mistake on a landing that has seen no water and it isn't packed, You're going over the bars because you're sinking up to your axles. Like, that's what we used to do before we had like water to the top of the course.
0: And it was ugly to watch, and luckily, less, not as many people got hurt. Yeah, fair enough. That's why I'm here asking questions.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, all you sports fans, like, I hear you. I am old school. I love the old school stuff. I love it, like, super raw and rugged. And like, you know, I've been getting, obviously, my ass handed to myself uh, online for being a judge. And like, it's funny because people forget that, you know, my the last time that, you know, Zinc and I were battling for first or for the, the FMB world title, I took a super raw rowdy line, like full, like just raw and rugged. Like I didn't even finish the build in time for my run. Like I didn't, I didn't even get to practice it. It was so raw. And then Zinc took, basically skidded down the ridge and then threed the Oakley drop, which was a pre built feature, and then skidded down the rest of the course and won. And I'll never forget, like I was standing up there, I was like, are you really just going to skid down the course and spin a big drop and take the win? He's like, yeah, why wouldn't I? And I was like, crap, you freaking smart. Why didn't I do that? And I like chiseled off some like gnarly big mountain free like line and everything and then i'm getting third g got second and it's like people forget where my heart is like like i love the raw rowdy stuff but at the same time you you have to understand that to be able to go that big and and be able to have a show like this like you got to be able to put some water in the dirt and pack some landings and you know, manicured a little bit, obviously some guys go crazy and in my opinion, it's not really needed. It's more for just like a visual effect. Cause it's like, you know, the dirt jumpers that love her, their cap tees and teed landings and you know, sharp edges and stuff. And, you know, what's really important is the riding surface. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I feel people when they're like, Oh, it's too manicured this and that, cause you know, it's a big mountain event. So I get where that comes from. So it's a tough one.
0: No, it certainly is. So you, you brought it up. You, you, ha- you guys have been battered. I don't even think if it was perfect, 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 someone wouldn't find fault there somewhere, right? 100%. That's kind of where human nature is at, and the internet's at.
1: Well, it's opinion we too. All,
0: it's, it's, it's opinion. We all mm-hmm. have. Yeah, I've got a famous saying on this podcast. I don't even have to say it again. I think <laughs> yeah, right. everyone understands what it is. Yeah, about opinions. Um, And me not being there, I was, you know, I I text, um, me and Chopper were having a few texts about it and I was like, I'm not there. And he's like, I'm also not there. This is what I'm seeing, but I would have had to have been there, measured the jumps, you know, really, really, really understood that all the sides of this coin to get, to give an opinion, even there, it's probably not fair to do so. So yeah, the internet was a bliss with carnage at the judges with certain <laughs> runs. There's biases. I mean, fans definitely have biases. Absolutely. Judges are doing their best, yeah, the best not to have biases. Then you've got some people that have more of the knowledge and still like maybe sit back and don't want to have an opinion. So I definitely had my popcorn out. I, I felt for you guys. I felt Girl, so for the riders as well. <laughs> you know, like I feel for all the riders, you know, Brendan, Nate, obviously, he's a fan favorite anyway. It doesn't matter what he touches or rides. People are going to like it because it looks good or it's probably unique. Mm-hmm. Bienve is a showman. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain riders that just maybe make things look so damn clean it looks easy. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. So, um, yeah, help me understand or help the, the sports fan understand more of what goes into the judging. I know you did an awesome YouTube video, which people should look at. You've had even more time to reflect. So what goes into, you guys are out there measuring the jump. You're out there looking at the consequences of some of these lines.
1: Yeah, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of you know a lot of the negative comments that I've had to try and manage on online. And just some of the biggest misunderstandings in my opinion so like for starters the bias part a lot of people are like hey well you like those are your buddies i'm like my reply to that is like they're all my buddies like i'm friends with all of these guys not just one or two in particular like us riders in this industry it's a very small industry and I've been in the industry for quite some time and it's a very small world. So I love all of those dudes, even the new up and comers. Like, you know, we we get out and we ride and we bond, you know, as you're all bike bikers yourselves, we love biking. So when there's someone else who rides bikes, you, you, you instantly bond with that person. So in terms of bias, there is no bias. Um, and in terms of how we attack, the actual venue as judges. We go up collectively or by ourselves. And um, most of the time we're hanging out with one or two or maybe all of the judges at any given time. And we go through every single line and we we, we start with measuring like the big errors. Um, and we measure tip to tip and then we mark it down on our notepad just so that we can cross relate and transfer, um, excuse me, uh, Go against someone's, especially when we know that they're going to be like a top five run. Um, we look at those runs, and the, and this year there was ten runs that are were like a top five run, and it all came down to how the rider was going to attack that that individual line. And we measure each jump. We look at the the in runs. Like you literally have to stand on every single jump and be like, okay, is this blind, like? for instance, when you're coming up to a, let's use Zinx for instance, his big conger backflip, when you're coming up to that thing, all you're looking at is this diving board that's sticking out into oblivion. And the diving board is like, you know, it's like 16, 18 inches wide, really freaking skinny. And when you're coming up to it, the blind factor, and especially when you're gonna be leaning back, like you're going off the lip with your head this way, so, like, you're basically trusting yourself that there's going to be a landing 60-some-odd feet below you. And with a landing that's seven feet wide, it's not very big. And the kid almost missed it. You know, like, he came off his, the lip a little bit crooked, and the lip ended up crumbling. And it yanked him off to the one side, and he got corked. It ended up looking way steezier because it was corked. But besides the fact, my point here is that every feature has a difference of technicality exposure um, to it that we take into play. And like, for instance, um, you take Zinc's Conger step down with another thing that people compared it to, which was um, the Enve's front flip. When you're standing on top of the uh, the double, which isn't really much of a double drop anymore um, unless you do the whole thing like uh sea dog did, which was insane by the way. Um, when you're standing on that, you're literally looking at the whole entire jump. Like there's a big buffed out landing into a big, like nice flat bottom, big, beautiful, wide man like landscaped lip and then a beautiful, massive landing, across the canyon the entire time you're coming into this thing and you're looking at the whole thing so like the difference between a blind drop and a fully visible like manicured jump completely different in terms of like nerves and balls that it takes to do a very hard trick on it (laughs) So, like those are like two big comparisons that you would have and then another thing that you would go through which is is my big thing is exposure and when athletes put themselves in a big amount of exposure you cannot take away any of that for them in terms of how it ranks on the line score so for instance if a rider is gonna put their life on the line. I know I hate using this, this terminology. You cannot take that away from the rider. For instance, much debated, talked about, and I talk about it a bunch. And this is why I'll explain why I struggle with the exposure on the battleship, and like how do we we score it? And we had this was probably like one of the bigger debates that we had as judges is because the line itself is not hard like it's it's like an 18 foot skipper like lip you know sorry my camera like lip is like this tall landing is like this tall and then the landing goes like to up to like a little sniper uphill so at the end of the day if this was on a trail it would just be a crappy jump that you'd be like, oh man, that thing sucks. Just because the way that the actual feature was, there was no way to actually make a landing and stuff. And that's the only, only way that they can make it work. So at the end of the day, it's like a, a little skipper that you wouldn't even balk over if it was in the woods or on the trail. But the fact that there's so much exposure, like you go left and you're having a really, really bad day. You go right, it's very, very bad. Cause it's, you know, 60, 70 feet of like of a fault potentially before you, you touch down. So the fact that there's so much risk involved in just riding that, you can't take it away. You know, like a lot of the other athletes, when this conversation came up, they were like, what's the big deal? It's just a stupid little jump onto a, like a lily pad and then off. Like, I don't, I don't get why everyone's creating such a big deal of it. And like our comment to like the athletes, other athletes that weren't hitting it um to that was our rebuttal was just like yes but they're putting themselves in a ton of exposure so we have to reward them for it like you just can't
0: yeah 100 percent. so that battleship just as a as a talking point or to understand like it's easy to do most of us mountain bikers i, I wouldn't say I, probably- I wouldn't say it's no, no, easy so- to
1: do don't.
0: No, 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 if it was on a trail. Sorry, let me preface that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if the we battleship be careful was here. on a random trail, jeez, <laughs> yeah, jeez, I'm going to get cut and canceled by every person in the industry. So, <laughs> reverse. <laughs> I never thought that about the battleship. I literally, couldn't pay me to go stand on the thing. So that's what's a tough one is because they'll go, it's easy to do if it was on a normal trail, even if it went wrong, but this is where it's like, but even though it's an easy thing and it should be easy to do, if it went slightly wrong, it's catastrophic. But because it's on this crazy exposed thing, then you might hesitate and you're tight and tense. So it could go wrong way more chance like of like casing the thing than on a trail. So like, I actually wouldn't want to be near judging something like that. That's tough. Because it's just so tough to judge because you're like, but that's an easy feature, but it's up on the top of a cliff. You could honestly, you could die if you fell off that thing. So you don't want athletes to go out there and do it, but they choosing to go do it, then you have to score it high. I mean, that's a disaster of a thing to judge.
1: It is. And like another thing that people need to understand is that this is a big mountain competition and we base the whole competition off of a free ski snowboard, big mountain competition. And when you're at the peak of the mountain in the steeps, that is where you're going to get the majority of your like exposure and your points, because that's where if you take risks, it's getting the risks are going to be higher up top, right? So traditionally, if people come in off the peak and go in, in the gut and in the steeps, you're putting yourself at a higher risk because if you fall, sometimes you're just going to keep going and going and going off multiple cliffs and it's going
0: to, it's going to be horrible.
1: So it's like, you can't take that away from the rider when it comes to being scored. If they're going to put their life on the line, you need to reward that. And when they're going to put their life on the line up high and be in, in an exposed area and do a trick, that's where it just jumps in terms of like the scoring and, and like what they're going to get for values. So traditionally when, when people take the Ridge, that's the easiest way off the top, you know, and Brendog knew that. So he's like, Hey, I got to spice this up because like I'm getting married to this Canyon gap over here and I feel for him. That's, that's what that gut where he gapped over. That's where I got, I dropped into the last time I rode that site and it's one of those things where you, you see a feature and you're like, okay, great. I want to, I want to do that feature. Cause that's rad, but everything before and after isn't very spicy. So I got to find something to make it, make this worthy. And you know, that, that knob there, you know, like we've been looking at it for years and you know, it, it was such a build and I think the last time me and Bordo looked at it, like, you know, we didn't have any water. So like there was just no way to make lips and stuff. So we, we opted out and for him to come down the ridge, he needed to do something spicy. So doing that basically upped his his uh, exposure level a ton. And then, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't be able, It wasn't a type of a feature to do a trick on it. So then you cross relate it over over to here to the side and look at the other athletes, and you're like, okay, he's doing a fairly. Mellowish line, like the the actual feature, with a, a insane amount of exposure. Arguably, one of the most exposed like spots, especially on the right, as we've seen. And with no tricks, and then you transfer that over to the right. You know, a lot of people are like, "Zink should have won." Brendel should have won. And if you go straight over to like Zink's run in comparison, he did a little gnarly off the top on a small drop into a super steep exposed ridge. Um, into a couple of little rock rolls, which were, were both, it was all in the no fall zone. Uh, off to the left, he has a 60 foot drop. And then off to the right, he has like 30 to 40 foot drop where it's like a, it's hard to see on TV. You have to stand there. It's, I was
0: going to say, is the TV not, the TV's not telling me that story. 100%.
1: There's no way. Like, like for yeah, instance, most people wouldn't even walk down onto the rock rolls to get to his drop it's like it's like a super technical feature that is like a no fall zone and then he's got a drop where the landing to the left is a no fall zone and when i say no fall zone it's like you don't want to fall otherwise you're getting a heli lifted out so it's like apples to apples you know zinc's upper line where you score the most like the majority of your like your points can be gained is in in the steeps and he picked a line has multiple technical sections with multiple moves just to start it off versus over to brendogs riding the ridge doing a little skipper with an insane amount of exposure if he screws that one up and then a little popper off the ridge compared to zinc's entrance
0: we're back, a little edit. Producer hopefully tidied that up for us. We were talking about the exposure of Zinc's run, which we definitely couldn't see on the TV versus Brendog had crazy, gnarly exposure. No one's denying that. The feature he was doing was obviously, if it was out on a trail, even he'll say it's an easy thing, but he was losing sleep over it. So people definitely at home can't understand that. So you're giving us sort of the in-depth knowledge to that. And then the one thing I was thinking about is in other disciplines, slope style, downhill, other athletes could go ride other features. And what I mean by that is, at what point do you go, you don't actually know if other people would say ride Brendog's Canyon. You could say, oh, he's the only crazy idiot that would ride something like this. But you don't know because no one else can technically allow to ride his feature. Same as, you know, Zink and Straight share some features, so you can say, okay, well, two crazy guys would ride that. Or the Battleship, it seems like only two gnarly idiots would ride that, so it's an extreme feature, but you can't really take that into account, can you? Of like, oh, 20 people would do that line, so it's not that gnarly. It's like, well, we don't always know because people stay off each other's lines.
1: Yeah. And that's something that a lot of the majority of people don't really understand the intricate nuances of a rampage venue and where you get to ride. So just to bring down the nutshell, so for a brand new venue, you basically, you have your meeting and you say, okay, everyone head to the Hills and everybody like scurries and starts scrambles around. And you look for, like, the sickest features. And then, like, I'll never forget, like, years ago, Aggie was, like, went up to this one spot and was, like, this is my line, everyone off my line. And, like, everyone was, like, clearly saw that, like, this ridge was, like, this is the way off the top. Like, if you want to win, like, that is clearly, you know, like, the winning feature. And, like, we were all just, like, hey, man. He's, like, nope, get off my line. <laughs> And, you know, sequentially we ended up like everyone built airs like nearby and around like the similar area. And it was a bit of like a cluster, but at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of a first come first serve and you put your stake in the ground and like, Hey, this is my line. And if, and if you have, you know, the skills to talk to that person and, and figure out a way to cordially um like share some of the the building and share the line in some way like then you're winning you know and and really the key is to be able to um you know team up with athletes you know like like the last years that i rode me and tyler mccall me and him teamed up on builds you know we built like that huge step down off the knob and like there's this massive landing where we had two build crews building this thing where normally if it was just one, we, we wouldn't be able to finish it. So then you have that, that's the new venue. And then you have an older venue, guys like Silva coming in. He's like, okay, where do I ride? And, and he ended up going and, and riding, you know, like kind of a, like a, a used old line. And then he kind of built some things. Um, but pr- primarily he was riding other people's old lines that he asked and talked about. And then you have a guy like Talis Turk. You know, he ended up riding a almost identical uh, line to Ethan Nell's. And, you know, he's obviously a Utah local, so he's very at home in this in this place. And, like, I just want to make a point here. Like, there's been no buzz about Talis. Like,
0: I was going to ask, what about some of these newcomers? That was quite the run. He just makes it look so good.
1: So here's the thing. It's like everyone is like, oh, Brendon got robbed, Yenve got robbed, but like no one even talks about Palace. Did everybody not see his run? Did everybody not see what he <laughs> threw down and Brendan beat him? Like get, there's like a big thing here that people are missing is like people must have their eyes closed because they don't – when they say Brendon got robbed, they need to look at who he actually beat. You could pull up his run. His run was nasty. Like right from the top, like big drops, super technical, coming down the face, like good tricks on the ridge. Um, had a nice um, trick down low before his conger flip, and then he flipped can. It's a 53 tip oh, tip.
0: That is quite disgusting. And he got it. It like, was executed to perfection. How do you flip can a drop like that? Like
1: that. Like you know, a couple years ago, that would have won Rampage, and it's fifth, right. and people are saying bienve. And like, if you like, there's so many little factors that go into judging. Like, you know, I'll, I'll jump around a bunch here, but like another fact, you know, people are like, oh, Brendog's Dog's Canyon Gap was so nuts. Like, the nuts part about it was the fact that he had to gap over um, Reader's Old Line. Because there was like a landing berm in the middle of like the pre compression going into it. That made it extremely technical. Not to mention, he had to like hit this lip that was not very wide. Um, but the, the length of his gap was 53 feet. Zinc's setup air to his conger flip was 50 feet. Like, did anybody see the fact that, like, you know, it was only three feet bigger than Zinc's setup air? Where Kyle Straight cased it like the day before in practice, and then above that was the step down that Straight got taken out on, and it's basically like a, like um, a rhythm section of big features that you have to snipe every single one of them, and that's what that's what um, took Zinc out last year is because he cased that jump because the step down just wasn't built right because they didn't have enough time to build it properly, and then he wasn't able to get that fifty footer to give them the speed to go into the, into the final step down. So it's like, there's so many little factors. And like, like we, as judges, we have to look at every single feature and look at the in run, the outrun, the exposure, and then we have to cross reference it to each other rider. And like some of our best tools is we, we in the box with all of our TV screens, we can pull up someone else's run. If we're like, Hey, you know what? Like we need to make sure that this run was should beat that run so we pull up that other athlete and say, hey can we get tallis's run over here and then we get brendog's run and then we cross reference them back to back and we look at them both and, and then we're like mm, okay you know what you know he bobbled there you know that feature there that that's got more exposure there he did a gangster trick over here on this massive feature so that should put him here with that score and then you know, at the end of the day, you look at it and you have your overall impression after you just cross reference both runs. And we have to do this in three minutes. It's not easy, by the way. Um, And then we have to have the ticker and someone yelling in our ear, like, hey, come on, come on. It's usually me. It's the slowest because I'm sitting there taking my time, um, making sure that I got every single feature. And I like, I visualize myself, you know, like I visualize every takeoff that I stood on and looked at and you know, if he did a trick that I didn't know that he was going to do, I like go back to my visual, like me standing there on that actual feature and envisioning what that athlete was looking at when they were like doing a spin or a flip and, you know, the emotions that were going through it. And I, I play that into the exposure and the, and the risk factor and the technicality and the overall impression. And that's how we come up with our scores.
0: It's a mouthful. I literally <laughs> hope I never get asked to judge anything. I could judge a downhill race. I just say, well, look at the clock. <laughs> Make sure the clocks are synced.
1: You know what I mean? What
0: makes it, that's what makes the sport that sport beautiful. So in technicality, I was also thinking, <clears throat> so you mentioned like, uh, say, a zinc and a Kyle, the consistency of a run, like how difficult it would be to do it consistently time over time that would factor in i guess subconsciously or on the scorecard like okay so he has to get the down the drop and then he has to make sure he's got that perfect to have the speed for the 50 foot because that's the only way he gets down the big step down shucks he's not doing that 10 out of 10 times some other runs they're gnarly but you could probably get away with a bit of factor of error and still get through the line and still maybe do some tricks that i guess is a factor as well
1: yeah, there's there's definitely overall. Absolutely. You know, there's definitely a nuance to um, not over practicing because you dumb it down. Like there is a bit of a game there with. So for instance, if an athlete has like a big feature. And they wait until finals day to tee it off for like once in practice and then they hit it in their line generally the gut feeling from most people that are there at the venue and watching maybe on online is that this has to be so gnarly because they only did it once you know if they're smart and it's very like simple and straightforward for them they would not show everyone like for instance brandon would like you know, tease some stuff up, like really early in the morning or late at night, and hopefully no one really sees it. So it like the more you do it, it kind of dumbs it down because it's like, you know, but as a judge, I, I take it for what it is. And I don't let that affect me. But for like the general public, the people that are there, when someone's sessioning a line for like three or four days, like top to bottom, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he's just sessioning it like he's having fun. You know, most people, it dumbs it down. So there is a bit of like a chess play game going on there with athletes and like, you know, you do it too many times, you know, where you're really comfy and everyone sees that you're really comfy and maybe your score might come down on that feature or versus like not even do it till finals day. And it, you know, for everyone, it's like, oh my God, that must be gnarly because he only did it once and that was on finals.
0: That makes so much sense. So you think there's athletes that are actually doing that? Because part of me is going, the poor athlete, he might just be that skill that he makes a ridiculous feature look somewhat easy. So that's a problem. And
1: Carson, and then he goes, I want to get,
0: yeah. So maybe you can, that'll tee us into Carson and Vince Dieberger's run. It's like, they're making it <laughs> like the damn caveman drop. The poor guy made it look so butter after standing up there waiting for the wind. You have to. And I'm like, Oh, that is quite, you know, he has to make it look better. Otherwise cartwheeling down a hundred foot. So yeah, you're like a victim of your own success and talent. Like if yep. you're like, well, I'm just going to session this to get it super comfy so I can nail whatever trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I haven't really thought about it like that.
1: Yep. And that's why a lot of people, you know, they look at Carson's run and they think like some people have said it's old news. And I, I take an offense to that because just because, <laughs> you know, someone did a, a thirty five foot drop last year doesn't make it less as gnarly this year. Like it's still a thirty-five foot drop that you're tricking. Like it's you know, that's just that's reality. So like let's jump into Carson's where a lot of people thought that, you know, Brendog um should have been on the podium. Um, because you know, that's like a like I said before, like a useful tool that we do is is, is you know, and the scores, like everyone just stop getting hung up on the scores. Like the after- I know. All the but staff. we told
0: him that in the last episode with you oh. and oh, man. someone and we coming up. And
1: really hard to get Austria to, to can the scores because it makes no freaking difference. And Austria said, no, people want to see the scores. And clearly, it makes no difference because all we care about is the ranking. Like Scores make no freaking difference. And we were actually joking amongst everyone earlier. Is like, we're going to give last place 91. And then we're going to put everyone from 91 to 98. Because like everyone's like, oh my god, you got a seventy or something, and again, they get
0: yeah. This player. judge is terrible. How could he give Brandog a eighty six? And yeah, I'm exactly. not obviously. I obviously yes, the run is incredible. It looks like a ninety two. I don't know, but it's it's the positions. I knew it's the positions. So I don't, but I've asked you that, and you need to listen to the episode number eighty seven where we get to know Bearclaw properly. Uh, but yeah, back to not having scores.
1: So here's another analogy. Does it really matter if it's half a second on the DH race run or one second that he wins by?
0: Well, yes and no. The winning, no. Like the results are the results, yes. But in downhill, if the guy smokes a guy by four seconds, he smoked a guy by four seconds because the clock, exactly. The clock doesn't lie, but judges are not clocks. Does that make sense so no there's there's more more of results
1: sheet there's more of like a bravado when you smoke a guy by four seconds when you're like yeah i was that much faster than everyone else that day and it's like you just are like king that day versus you're still first and the other guy's still second you know what i mean like the result is still the result and it's not that big of a deal where like in a judge sport um you know, first could be 95 and then like second could be 87. And like, everyone's just like, holy cow, like how was his run so much better and people get other butt hurt or it's just like, yes, like he's God.
0: Yeah. It's a placeholder, but yeah, it's a hundred percent placeholder in, in time sport. It tells a story. The four second winning margin tells a factual story. However, there are actually other things that go in if you didn't see certain things on camera and you got a flat tire yes there's a bit more to story but here we're talking about the actual story that helps us understand the placing the results that's what we're trying to understand we're trying to give it to the sports fan it's it's not it's even brain dogs. oh you know maybe if i flip tucked certain thing hey that could have probably gone up but you know it's not that he needs point 0.4 of a point, you know, whatever it is.
1: He needed to flip the canyon yeah.
0: Oh my God, don't tell him that, that he's, I that he's going back next year. Oh, you told him already? Yeah,
1: I was like, I asked him, he's like, you're going to flip this thing? And he's just like, bugger off, I don't even want to think about that. I'm like, oh, this is an option, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's those things where, you know, and i feel for him you know it was a super technical in run and it like you know i watched him guinea and him and i chatted about you know the compression because you know honestly i was i was physically worried about that compression going in because you know like there was literally a downhill takeoff like mid like pre-compression and he had to like yank and snipe this like not very great landing straight into a full compression And I was worried that, you know, if he bobbled a little bit on that compression and yanked off one side or the other, like, you know, right, you might be all right. Okay. But left, you're, you're going into oblivion. Um, you know, I was actually pretty worried about that because like, you know, in, in essence, there shouldn't have been a freaking gap in his in run, but there was another line that he had to cross. And this is the, downfall of having a venue that's got freaking lines ripped everywhere through the whole hillside and you have another athlete that's like hey you can't do this because it's going to screw my line up so you have to play that that balance in between the two um oh yeah another point bienve let's dig into that one um absolute beautiful human like that's why he got the spirit award because like the, the whole entire like event he was just like just a freaking great dude, like super nice, like helping all the riders, just like friendly, you know, like just, just an overall great dude shredding hard the whole trip. Like he goes down super hard on one of his practice runs on the Canyon. You know, he actually gets to, to his trachea. He, he, his voice is like afterwards is just like super, you know, cause he got it like right here. And, um, you know so we gave him the the spirit award and then like the best trick award because you know you front flipped that canyon and a lot of people get confused between like okay well shouldn't the winner get best trick award and it was like for us it was a like well you know Zinx already got the best trick on that prior and you know bienve did a front flip which no one's front flipped that canyon before so like that was a it was a clear winner to us but the confusion there is like well if is getting all these awards why didn't he win and i'll explain it to you so we talked about going off the top and that's where you get the majority of your points because this is a big mountain event not a dirt jump slope style event we can tune into crankworks to watch that amazing venues and amazing events um so off the top, that line was the easiest line down the mountain. And if you just judged the top section, out of all the athletes, he would be in last place coming off the top. So
0: Just factually, that's how it is on the, you know, on the scoreboard.
1: Absolutely. On the scoreboard, off the top, that is the easiest line down the top. So he would be in last place. And then halfway down the hill, he started to turn things up and he turned things up in an area where there wasn't as much exposure as the other athletes. He didn't put his life on the line up high like other athletes did. And yes, he took a big risk on the front flip, but at the end of the day um, you know, it's a big jump and he's at risk of like overshooting it and going off the sides, you know, like him falling into the Canyon. It's not like I'm, Assuming here, but I'm gonna assume that that wasn't really a big, um, you know, fear of his. Where other athletes like Brendan, he had a fear of falling in the canyon if he screwed up on his sketchy in run. And then, like you know, like Zink and Carson, they had exposure up top with all their lines and tricks and everything else that that there was no fall zones while they were doing some tricks on gnarly features. So for Bienve's run. You know, like we put him where he was because he didn't have any points up top. He was in last place, and like with every trick that he did, you know, he kind of came up in points and, and trick score and technicality and exposure came up, but it didn't come up enough to balance out him taking the easiest line off the top. And once again, people, this is a big mountain event, and if you take the easiest line down the top, it's going to be pretty darn hard to win, just straight up. And you yeah, talked to him. Makes sense. And he wasn't confused. You know, he even said, he's like, you know what? I wish I had a better line up top. You know, I had a little bit of wind, so I rode it a little bit slow. And, you know, I'm super stoked to get the front flip. And I thank you guys for all these best trick awards and everything. And he was just, he was stoked. You know, like maybe differently sitting down privately one-on-one, he may be thinking a little bit different. Like maybe he thinks he should have been, you know, a couple couple places higher. But overall, him and all the other athletes – aren't complaining and for a fellow rider judge for me that's the most important is having the athletes like a general consensus with the whole field everyone thinking that we got it right and so far i have not heard anything but praise from my fellow athletes that were riding the competition all of the industry people that were at the competition that have been in this at this event working this event for many years i haven't had anyone come up to me and said you know what this was whack like years past um and everyone you've had that years past um from some industry people like when i'm riding yeah like i remember many years you know
0: obviously when you were riding yeah so you mean you were bitching of course
1: (laughs) like when you're you know, like there's been there's been years where, like for instance, like a good example, Norbs got robbed, and that was a product of how the judging used to be, um, tallying scores with the point system, and we would do like the 25, 25, 25, 25 point system, and he ended up getting screwed on a formality of just the system, and we've we've erased that and changed things to so make sure that 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 doesn't happen again, so. You know, like, and obviously there's some discrepancies, you know, like some from years to years. And this is my second year um, judging, like I judged way long ago back in like 04 05. But since then, I, you know, I I was riding, And now this is my second year as a judge. And I feel very confident that we nailed it um, again. And you know, I think a lot of people that are very spirited right now. You know, if they go back in two, three months when their emotions have calmed down and heard some of this uh, testimony from myself and and other athletes, I think they're going to go back and watch the event without less, without as much bias, and they're going to watch it again and have a different opinion of you know where things ended up and how and why.
0: Yeah, I would certainly agree. I think I'm gonna definitely rewatch some highlights after understanding more. Even though I I know you well and we've chatted on the podcast before, but I've definitely got a better understanding. And then to like rewatch certain features because you've got the intel of the measurement or how blind. I'm like, watch oh, shit, that is thing's run. blind. Yeah, Talus is run, they and have I have to run. watch Storch's run more to understand like two to two things as well. So obviously, I think a lot of people. Have a bias to Brendan, but it, I think what we're not, what we're missing is sometimes his skill gets him in trouble because there's one thing of like, okay, certain riders, if you blocked out the exposure, they would jump the canyon. But I'm not sure every rider would like technically be able to jump that canyon. Does that make sense?
1: I think you'd be surprised. You know, for the majority, I mean, of I'm me- not
0: down talking anyone, dude. I'm not there. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes he makes certain, right. A lot of writers, Seminex the same, Reed is the same. Like there's certain writers that make things look so easy. And then if you put other writers, they'll make it look less easy. And probably you'd think it's gnarlier. I guess I, is what I'd I
1: agree. Like. And in, in terms of the comment to saying no one else can ride each other's feature. The reason that all these riders are here is because they are the best in the world and they can ride every single feature. They just don't want to because every rider has their strengths and type of features that they like. Like for instance, some guys hate blind drops. Like they're just like, no, I want like a step, like a lip and I want to be, I have a good sight line so I can look coming in or a turn. So every rider has their strengths and their weaknesses, but I'll tell you like, every single one of those riders out there could ride every feature. Well, maybe not G's drop because that thing was just gargantuan.
0: What was it? Is this 60 meter like a real number? What? Meter? 60 foot. I feel like Bender said meter. I could have misheard. <laughs> <laughs> he might have used the maybe wrong he did. metric. <laughs> he used, so it's 60 foot da- like down. tip to tip. No, down. 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 So you draw a triangle, he might be going further, but down. He physically was falling out the sky 60 foot down.
1: Yeah, and I believe the furthest...
0: I mean, I've sworn before in the podcast, but fuck.
1: Yeah, like...
0: That's gnarly.
1: I believe the furthest anybody's gone down vertically successfully is like around 50-ish feet. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, internet warriors. Um, But Clemens was right at that mark like when he did his double drop and he did that thing four times in practice that morning it was so lucky
0: that he and he just butchering it in practice
1: well like you know his it, it was it was a shame because he he was starting to to do that double drop from the landing of his little skinny ridge step down he would sit on the landing, which wasn't very tall, like it was, you know, like three meters tall, and he would grab like two or three cranks, like mellow cranks and in oblivion. And his his fault was, and I was chatting with him earlier, I was like, make sure you get your brake checks in. And because whenever you're in a, a rampage run, there's so much going on, you got the nerves, you got the helicopters in the air, you got your fans, it's just, it's just pandemonium. And you're like, you're constantly trying to like, okay, breathe, breathe, focus, breathe. Because there's every single hit you have to remember, okay, was that two break taps? Was that three break taps? And then you're going off a blind lip into oblivion. And you're like, oh, shit, I was supposed to break four times when I only broke two. And he ended up doing his step downs for the first time into that. And he misjudged the speed and just overcooked it. And it's, it's one of those things that's like a... That's an inexperienced um, thing there where next year, I guarantee if he has a drop like that, he's going to put a setup error in. Because a setup error, what that does is it like, you make the gap before it, like a little tiny little skipper jump. You make it small or big enough to set the speed so that if you hit that landing, it's just a no-brainer. You're like, okay, I'm good. So that you shut her down or you like, like you got to like, yank to get over it you just know what speed you're going to come into the next hit at and it's a no-brainer and that's that to me is like an experienced athlete where like for instance i'll go over to zinc skipper which was 50 feet you know that for him was his setup there so that he knew if he got that grease that it's just a okay let it rip i know i'm gonna make this jump because this is my speed
0: yeah, you're right. That that experience will come to. I'm so glad Sea Dog was there. Maybe start wrapping it up. I really appreciate you talking through all this because you got to have thick skin. Like it's really tough. You guys are in the trenches there, just getting well. Yeah, for lack of a better term, just and we bombarded paid with paid hand grenades on the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard, um, heard that one, but you're yeah, like what? we get paid Which like one? crap. Like, well, of course we don't,
0: you, you do. You basically money probably lose money it. by being there. Yeah, no, it's. For proper love of the sport, so um, no, I, we I really appreciate it, and a lot of it, a lot of this industry, you don't get paid enough for the crap you can get given. But um, maybe as we wind down the single crown slope style conversation, Meh. maybe where Rampage is going or not going or shouldn't go, let's let's get a hot take on that. And I'm not talking. I'm not criticizing any rider that chose a single crown it's within the rules and i'm just asking your hot take on that
1: i have strong opinions about it and my mind goes straight back to one of the burliest big mountain free ride guys ever to grace our presence was robbie borden robbie borden rode a single crown like 14 or 12 years ago with no sleeves on his arms on a kona that the suspension barely worked so you know when people are like oh single crowns isn't rampage like bordeaux is rampage and bordeaux was riding a single crown a long time ago so that to me is just out the window I don't care what bike you're on if you're hanging on to those features and dropping into that stuff I don't care if you're on a freaking gravel bike please don't try it anybody but you <laughs> know like I don't care like like it's the terrain that depicts the athlete and if they want to take, a bike that's going to make it a little bit more difficult for them to ride the steeps and hang on then you know kudos to them like you know if they're dropping into some rowdy dh rough section in the steeps doing big drops on a smaller bike with a single crown versus a guy that's on a dh rig slacked out that's designed to ride that terrain you know he's at a disadvantage so he's actually hanging on So like, it's actually the other way, you know, like in some scenarios, you actually could be like, wow, you know what? That rider is really good because he's on a bike that's not quite designed for that type of terrain, but he's muscling it through. So kudos to that guy.
0: Okay. I understand that. And then the tricks, they don't score as well because the jumps might be a bit smaller or the, the, that step downs are not as big enough when you're tail whipping, like then you just give up on that. Like your strategy, like a, you know, where you at with that, then where it's going, you know, if people can come there and and build more slope style, style runs. Well, like that to me is not rampage in a sense. Like it should be its own genre of riding. You keep saying big mountain free ride, skiing, exposure, like, so now you're sort of, it's like an evolution, I guess, that maybe you can't stop.
1: It, it is an evolution that you really can't stop because, you know, and I'm a hypocrite because, you know, I, I was a, a contributing factor to bringing tricks into the big mountains. And, and my, you know, my motivation was, was Seth, a uh, skier. And, you know, he was the guy that was like, you know, he took tricks and big mountain free skiing. And he merged the two and I like, I idolized him because I was just like, man, that's what I want to do with mountain biking because, you know, like, you know, my BMX background, I have all these tricks and I'm like, man, this big mountain stuff is like where my heart is and this is what I want to do. So that is just a natural evolution. And I think it's going to be from year to year to venue to venue, what's going to kind of irk people the wrong way or the right way depending on the type of lines that some guys build. Like for instance, I think what you're thinking about is Emile's Ridge line, which was Brett Reader's, which was a winning run last year. Um, You know, I think that's what people are really labeling and dubbing as like too slopey. And you got to keep in mind that those drops were big. Like they were 20 foot drops that he was tricking, like rag and oppo tail whip. Like that was nasty. Like, you can't take away the technical ability of that so it's like eventually you know those tricks are going to be up higher on the mountain where you're going to be seeing some guy do like a tail whip off some say something like zinc's upper drop where it's like a creeper downhill ish take rough and he's gonna do a tail whip and you'll be like mind blown so like that's the evolution that's where it's gonna go so it's like people can't knock the early stages of an evolution because they're going to shoot themselves in the foot when some guy does the tail off off some nasty like big mountain drop that's got like a rough landing that doesn't look manicured a lot at all because it will happen but this is the beginning building block so don't stifle the evolution people
0: dude put a bow in it i think that's I'm so glad I asked and I didn't have it from a critical standpoint. I hope you didn't take it that way. Like I respect a run and how clean he is. And then he's, he's doing the tail whip and then he's barely got time to get settled. And then he's oppo. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's doing. And people, like you say, they're not quite used to it yet. They're thinking where they you know, they're not sure what it should be or what it's going to be. But I think that's an amazing way and it's probably full circle because it's going to be harder to judge. So it's where we started, and it's where we're ending. It's gonna take even more education and more work, and more thick skins for you judges, I guess.
1: Big time, because you know, you know, I feel people on the because I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because, like, I was a contributing factor to bringing tricks into this game, and I love it, but at the same time, I feel like Big Mountain is king, and it's got to be true to its roots. It's a Big Mountain event, so I'm like, okay, I'm the guy that brought the tricks. Or helped bring the tricks to the game. But then at the same time, I've also been like a huge fan of like the big mountain and pushing that. So I'm like, I'm like right here. I love it. But at the same time, I'm totally on board with keeping this event a big mountain event. And if you look at it, you know, the score, like the placings reflect that, in my opinion. Like Emil did not get top five on his run. And if people say it's too much of a slope style, well, then where did Emil fall? You know, Brendog was fourth. He didn't do any banger tricks. Like he did a flip step down and then a flip on like a dirt jump down low. And that was his, like he suicided the the canyon gap. But as we all know, suicides are, you know, on a DH bike, you just let your hands go and that's it. Um, So for instance, like his run was big mountain and he's in fourth with like no big conger tricks and then you have other athletes that were big mountain and big tricks and that's why they they were on top so it's uh i i feel very very stoked on where we placed things as a whole to like you know looking back keeping big mountain alive because you know if we placed the up in the podium and then like uh you know a meal up in the podium you would look at it and be like okay well big mountain's dead this is a slope style vendor. That would be like the, the takeaway. And then in my opinion, I think we would, fail, would have failed.
0: Dude, uh, that's why I wanted to get you on. That was actually fascinating for me, even though I know you guys well. I know the sport from what I could see from the couch well. Bro, thank you so much uh, for just coming on and taking a few shots from me and letting me challenge you so that we can understand it. Because that's what we need, right? That's why I think podcasting works. Let's just get a longer conversation. Let's spitball some ideas. Let's ask you what the future may look like. And you've answered that awesomely. Thanks so much, man. All
1: right, guys. Love
0: you all. Well, guys, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even when you're battering him on the internet, he still loves you. No, thank you so much. Guys, if you got any value out of it, we are on YouTube. So you can get to see us having a chat on YouTube, just search Moving the Needle Podcast. Get us to those subscribers we need because then we can bring you more action like this and you know what else. Just uh, make sure you like and subscribe. There's Bearclaw. He's a fan. Go check out his episode. I have mentioned it before. We said it was number 87. It's enough housekeeping for me. You know what to do. Share with a friend till the next one. Peace.
1: All right, bud. Good job. Later, folks.
0: During my racing years and even now, I take my health and nutrition pretty seriously, I must say. It was so difficult, though, to stick to a routine and to remember to take all those necessary supplements. Then I found AG1. I'm so excited to partner with them personally and for this podcast. I actually started taking AG1 long before this partnership even came about. Now, you might ask, What is this stuff? Think of AG1 as your all-in-one health insurance. I know I do. I have never been one for taking a million different supplements or vitamins, so this is the perfect all-in-one solution. Honestly, I actually look forward to taking it. I do it first thing in the morning. I feel more alert and focused, and I know I'm taking care of my body and health. I feel energized to get my day going. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, and that's why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning as I said, and then I'm done. So check this out. With that one scoop of AG1 I've been talking about, you're absorbing, listen to this, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery and helps enhance your focus it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos and none of that nasty chemical artificial anything all while still tasting good now let's all be honest with each other we all know we don't eat enough vegetables or consume the healthiest meals some of the time especially when we get busy we all want something quick and easy which will help us in life ag1 supports better sleep quality recovery mental clarity and alertness Now I don't care what you do in life, I think we can all agree this is super important. AG1 is trusted by so many professional athletes and health experts. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash moving the needle, that's again drinkag1.com forward slash moving the needle to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link will be in the show notes as well.